So this morning you're getting kind of a standalone sermon. I know I've preached a lot of series, uh, but today I just wanted to pause and, and preach a message um, that I kn- I've known for a while I was going to be preaching. Uh, this week I was talking to a friend of mine. He pastors in uh, Pennsylvania now. We talk probably once a week and we share things, and a lot of times it's about football. Sometimes it's about church, but, you know, that's how we are. We're college roommates, and so that's what happens. But um, he was talking about in his church, he said, I can just sense, Steve, he said, there's just this bubbling up in the church. And he was talking about like a spiritual depth or whatever that was happening. And, and I said, you know, Jared, I said, it's interesting that you're saying that because as a pastor, I think we need to be aware of what's happening in the body. And I said, we've had some conversations in our church, whether it's in Sunday school or with leadership or in other places where there seems to be a common theme that God is speaking to the body. Now, if a pastor can't hear what God is speaking to the body, then the pastor doesn't need to be a pastor. Did I just say that? And so when God begins to speak things to the body, when he speaks them to my heart and they're confirmed with what the church and others are saying, I have to, excuse me for a second, I was almost, that was almost dangerous. I have to take notice of what God is saying. And so today I want to preach about an idea that I know God has been speaking the hearts of people in our church. And this idea isn't going to be too profound, but it's going to be one that when I say it, some people want to shut down. Because you know sometimes in life there are things that just seem too big that you don't ever want to do them. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. The topic that we're going to talk about today is one of those things that, excuse me, if I had advertised the sermon title, some people might not have come today because I don't want to hear that because I know where that ends. I know it's coming. And so I'm going to pray for God's anointing upon his word, and I'm going to look at the word of God, and then we're going to look at a a practical tool that God has given me. Father, I thank you this morning that we're together. I thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. I thank you for the body of Christ and the relationships that we have together. And God, we pray that we would hear what you're speaking. Help our hearts to be be clear, our ears to be open, our minds to be receptive of what you're speaking to us. God, I submit myself, I submit the notes that I have, and the plans that I have unto you, asking for your very anointing upon them, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we get to the topic that I want to talk about, I want to read some facts. These are facts in Scripture. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The fact of God that you see in Second Peter chapter 3 is that God is not slow in keeping his promise, but what is his will? That none would perish, right? God's will is that none would perish, but everyone would come to... God wants everyone to know his love. God wants everyone to recognize the power of sin in their life, the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, and what happens when we apply that cross to our lives. The forgiveness, the hope, and the freedom that we have through the cross of Jesus Christ. He wants none to perish, but all to have everlasting life. That's, that's the fact in Scripture. Another fact 
in Romans chapter 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's the fact. But how can they call on him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? You might need to underline that today. How can they hear unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Jesus' will, these are facts. He wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. His will is that all would believe. And how will they believe? If they hear. And how will they hear? It's someone. Now, mine says someone. It doesn't say unless a pastor or evangelist or a prophet tells them. It says unless someone tells them. Fact. Jesus, we had Easter a few weeks ago. He's risen from the grave. Come awake, come awake, right? We just sang about that. In, in his resurrection appearances, you know, last words are a big deal for people. Like they want to have these profound last moments, these last words that resonate with hearts. Jesus had some last words that he left with us. Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And in Acts chapter 1, the last words of Jesus, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The fact, the truth that has been resonating time and time again in this body, this is what your peers, this is what your brothers and sisters in Christ have been experiencing God speak to them. This is what your pastor has been, been wrestling through myself, is the necessity for evangelism. And I'm telling you, if I started with, we're going to talk about evangelism today, a lot of people are going to say, I'm not doing that. I don't want to be a part of that. I've heard that story. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uh, uh, get, 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 get weird on the inside. I don't want to do that. I can't talk. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is speaking to this church. It's time for evangelism. Now, at the conference I was at this weekend, I have the privilege, and I'm not sure why they picked me. You ever get picked for something? You don't know why? Okay, I am the head currently with our superintendent of church planting in the state of Nebraska. The only church plant that is currently going on with the Assemblies of God in the state of Nebraska is in Omaha. Why me? I know how far that drive is now. So then, just to make things exciting, on Friday, the speaker for the conference couldn't make it on Tuesday, he let us know, in the morning for the morning session. So my phone rings and my superintendent says, hey, I need you, now this is me, to teach a breakout session on church planting to a bunch of my peers who are probably already more intelligent or more rehearsed when it comes to church planning than I am. 
And I'm thinking, oh, wow. So I delegate and I get the guy from Omaha to talk. But then God puts something in my heart. And it's the reality that sometimes there are things that are so complicated that, that we're paralyzed to even try. I think evangelism becomes that way for a lot of us. It seems so complicated that we're just afraid to even try. <coughs> Excuse me. Can you give me water and I'll make sure to drink it this time? Mike, make sure that Tara's brother knows I drink the water when Tim gives it to me. Uh, something else about me that people know, I've got a degree in math. And a lot of times when you say mathematics to a junior in high school, I mean, you see fear. Like, Cambry's shaking right now. I'm just even talking about it. There's this reaction that we have because this, this idea, this mountain that is mathematics seems so complicated that we're afraid to even consider it. And one of the things, I've always been blessed to be able to help people with math. It's, it's something God's always allowed me to do. And so I can, I can typically work with someone and make this giant monstrosity a little bit simpler. If you're struggling with math and you're in this room, learn your times tables. Okay? Number one, get some flashcards and learn your times tables. That's practical information. My whole point in, in my session at this conference was to take this idea of church planting and make it much simpler. And my goal this morning is that as we talk about evangelism, can maybe, just maybe, I make it just a little bit simpler. You know, I have this picture. Uh, Braxton was climbing the steps earlier today, and I had this picture in my notes of a kid at the bottom of the steps. You know what I'm saying? How tall do you think steps look? To a a little kid. I mean, their knees barely come up to the top of the step. And they're at the bottom of the step. You know how a kid goes up steps? One step at a time. They go up the steps one step at a time. Now, that may not seem so profound, but someone here needs to hear that the things that God wants to do in your life, you may need to, to accomplish them one step at a time. So often we look at the mountain that's set before us and we say that's way, way up there that we're not willing just to take one step at a time. My goal this morning, if we leave here with anything accomplished, is that we would be willing to take one step. Some of what I'm going to talk about is something that God dropped in my heart in 2006, I believe, is when God put this in my heart. I was a youth pastor in Kentucky. And one of my college students and I were having a conversation about this complex topic called evangelism. And somehow in the course of that discussion, he said, you know, at times we're so worried about reaching everyone. You know, if I say the will of God is that none in Crawford would perish, we say, man, that's a big number. And I can't reach everyone. And so because I can't figure out a way to reach everyone, I don't reach anyone. And so he said, Pastor, what if we change the bar for evangelism from everyone to someone? I mean, is it too much? For most people, if we said we're going to reach Crawford, Nebraska, all right, I'm out because we can't do that. That's too big of a amount. And somehow in that conversation, the thought that came out was, what if everyone would reach someone this year. 
with the love of Christ. Now, I'm, not, I'm looking around this room and, in, in, and out of this room, and there's not one person I can see that can't reach someone over the course of the next year with the love of Christ. That, to me, is a goal that is attainable. That, to me, is a mountain that I can climb. That may be one step on the mountain of everyone, but it's a place that we can all begin to start. What if everyone were willing to reach someone? What would happen to our church? On smart math people, what would happen to our church if everyone reached someone? It would double. And then what happens if everyone reaches someone again? It doubles again, or it's four times of where we started. And what happens, and this isn't about numbers, this is about kingdom. I'm just showing you. Remember when, when God said to them, he said, be fruitful and do what? Multiplication works when we compound adding. It's Okay. Sometimes multiplication is so so frightening, but the reality is if we just focus on the one before us, there's a kingdom principle of multiplication that happens in us and through us. So as I talk about evangelism, my desire is that we would all be willing to reach one person in one year and demonstrate the love of God in their life. We all in? Good. I think I'm seeing some heads now. All right. So before I get to my practical steps, which I will get to, I want to get to a moment that just we experienced in worship. And without that moment, I don't know that, that, that the rest of it's worth it. If you recall when, when Tam was, was singing a song, and for some it may have been weird for someone talking to get emotional. And Tam was singing a song about the, the power of the resurrection when it comes to our loved ones' lives. And her testimony was that the power of the resurrection is there for someone else. And what happened to Tam when she spoke that? Was she emotional? Was she compelling in what she shared? Do you know why she was emotional and compelling? It wasn't because she rehearsed that in worship practice this morning. She was emotional and compelling because God has done something inside of her. And she's recognized the necessity for others to experience what God has done in her. So when it comes to evangelism, evangelism must start with a burden for those who don't know Jesus Christ. That's got to be what drives us. That's got to be what compels us. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. It's not working right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 13. There it goes. It says, if we are out of our mind, as some say. Some might say it's crazy for Tam to stand in front of her, 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 her peers and allow emotion to be demonstrated. So if we are out of our minds, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind... It is for you because verse 14 says Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. 
And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We need the love of Christ to compel us. Why did Christ go to the cross? Let's go back. Why did God send Jesus Christ to go to the cross? For God so... It was the love of God that compelled him to send his son. Why did Jesus make it to the cross when he was in the garden? And we talked about that moment, praying to God, not my will, but yours be done. What caused him to go to the cross? It was his love that compelled him to that moment. I need to be compelled by the love of Christ. Can I say that some of us are more compelled by what kind of truck we're driving? Than what God has done for others? Some of us are more compelled by which soft drink is the right soft drink to drink? Or which vacuum? is the best vacuum. We're not afraid to tell people about how great our vacuum is. I had used this analogy before, Ryan. It's tough, but we're not, we're not afraid to tell people about the potential of the Huskers this year. Even though that's been, it hasn't proved itself since I've been here anyway. Man, I was a fan of the Bengals for a long time. They were terrible. Come here, they go to the playoffs, become a fan of the Huskers, and they're terrible. Sorry, I'm losing the crowd now. We're more compelled to talk about about a football team than we are about what Jesus Christ has done. What if I was compelled? For Christ's love compels us. In Bible study this week, we were reading a verse in Psalm chapter 119. It says, indignation. Irene, can you pull that up, please? It says, indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. And sometimes I read that verse and, 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 it, and, and I read indignation. I think, boy, that's a bad word and we shouldn't feel that. And how does God's love shown in that? And what we kind of talked about in Bible study was indignation was more about being so upset at the outcome of their life. See, the writer of this psalm is talking about how much he loves the law and he loves the the words that God has given him. And he sees people who haven't experienced that. And so he has what he says is indignation. He actually has anger, not at them, but at the product of the the direction that they're going. I see someone who wants to say, hey, stop. You're going to step in front of that, that train that is coming. And so I I get upset. I get compelled. I'm willing to speak. We can't do evangelism effectively without a genuine burden for those who need to hear. Come on, I've I've thought about this. Cincinnati chili. I love Cincinnati chili. You want to try Cincinnati chili? Come over sometime. I'll make you some Cincinnati chili. If you haven't had Cincinnati chili, you're missing out. It's delicious. Don't listen to Amanda. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> I grew up on Cincinnati chili. Empress and Skyline. Gold Star. 
because I've experienced how good it is, I want you to know it too. We have a chili parlor downtown. Jason, maybe we have a chili dog at Stobbs. He won't know what hit him. Make it with cumin and a little bit of chocolate. It's good stuff. We talk about what we truly believe is good. This morning in, in worship, we had a moment to talk about the goodness of God. I'm going to tell you, you won't say anything if you don't believe God is good. If you don't know what God has done, then you're not going to share it with anyone. If you haven't recognized the power of his love in your life and how good his, true, his love truly is, then you don't have anything to say. But truly, I believe this might seem naive if I've experienced the love of God, which is so, so good. I want others to know how good that love truly is. So, it starts with a burden. And then we get to, this was cutting edge graphics in 2006, all right? Cutting edge. Jordan, I spent hours on this, man. Hours. Making this just right. I got some bookmarks that I'm going to send you with. They are cutting edge technology. These are high tech graphics. Okay? I want to put this tool in your hand, not as the only way, but a way to begin to climb this mountain of evangelism in your life. A way to discover how profound. See, I believe that what God has done in your life is powerful and effective. We talked in Sunday school. We need to have a testimony. We need to have a story to tell people. What God has done in your life is powerful and effective. It doesn't matter if you weren't addicted to drugs and and you weren't in jail on on death row before you met the, the light of Jesus Christ and he transformed your life. What matters is what God has done in your life. What matters is when God pulled your skid steer out of the ditch. That's what becomes profound. That's what becomes powerful. Don't tell me about God's goodness in someone else's life. I want to hear about God's goodness in your life. So, my program, one by one, step one, be involved. Oh, and and just if you're taking notes, these are on the back of the bookmark, so you can have them on the back of the bookmark when you're done, too. We've got to be involved. It's easy to talk about, about doing something. It's easy to say that that was a great idea or that was a great sermon, Pastor. I appreciate what you said. But until we make a commitment to being involved, what does it really matter? You know, I wonder how many great sermons I've heard that I never committed to being involved with. I've heard a lot of good ideas that I never bought into. I saw Jordan was talking about Bitcoin the other day. You know, there was a great idea at a time that we didn't buy into it at the right price, and now we regret it later. Until you're willing to commit, you can say what you want. But until you commit, like for some that's raising your hand or signing up on a a piece of paper to make a meal or do something, until you truly make a commitment to doing it, nothing changes. It can be a great idea. It can be a good concept. But until I'm willing to commit, what's it matter? So if we're going to see effective evangelism, we have to commit to being involved in touching our community. Is that a cause 
that I'm willing to be a part of. Now, this is going to be good because I said I wrote this in 2006 and I was fresh out of Bible college. Fresh out of Bible college, you know that every point has to start with the same letter. Because that means the Spirit inspired it. So all my points today are going to start with the letter I. That's why it happened. It was intentional because this was Holy Spirit inspired. Or at least I thought so at the time. That it had to have these letters. So once I've committed to being involved, then the next step I can do is to begin to intercede, which is simply a fast, a fancy word for pray. What am I praying for? Oh, I'm praying about who I'm supposed to reach. No, pray about yourself first. Pray about your testimony. Pray about what God is doing in you. Pray that he would open your spiritual eyes so you can see what he's accomplishing in your life. So you can stop talking about what he's doing in everyone else's life and start seeing where his hand is touching your life. And pray, who in my life needs to understand his love? I believe the Holy Spirit will illuminate someone. I believe he will show you someone who you can invest with. Pray for God's help in knowing what person you can reach one by one. So we are involved. Then we intercede. We pray. And after we pray, we begin to invest. I can be committed to something, but all of a sudden when it comes to, to buying it, I've got to invest myself in it. We should be intentional about investing in what God has for us. That's investing inwardly and that's investing outwardly. That's why I keep talking about the goodness of God. That's recognizing what God is doing and then invest yourself in someone's life. That's an intentional opportunity to spend time with them. And that doesn't mean asking them to come to church or do a Bible study with you, but that might mean let's go fishing. Man, I thought I'd get an amen on that one. Walt's not here. Thank you, Joe. I needed that. Whew. That might mean, hey, you want to come over and, and have dinner. That might mean, hey, do you want to just uh, uh, go shopping. That might mean, hey, you want to do some, some gardening with me. But invest your time in someone. You can say, I don't have anything, but you've got yourself. You can say, I don't have much, but you've got the beauty that you are, which is a masterpiece that was fearfully and wonderfully made by the Creator Himself. Your life is a valuable asset in the kingdom of God, and you can invest that in others' lives. Why not? Jesus, that's what he taught us, right? How did Jesus lead? When he called his disciples, he said, hey, I'm coming back for you. I got a role for you. I'll be right back. No, he said, come follow me. What did that mean? Man, we're doing life together, bros. I don't know where that came from. That was weird. That was weird. Cameron, that was strange. His word was, we're doing life together. Come follow me. And we're going to talk together and we're going to walk together and we're going to go to Walmart together and we're going to stay in Holiday Inns together and we're going to accomplish the will of God together. We're going to do this together. That's what investment truly is. You know what? At times, I bet the disciples stunk. And he wanted them to stay in a different tent or wherever they stayed, different room in the inn. But he, he put aside himself to invest in them the will of God for their lives, that they would become fishers of men. I've been there, dads, 
When you go fishing, who catches the fish? Huh? Mm-hmm. Or your wife, one or the other. Who's spending all the time baiting the hooks? Who's spending all the time getting fish off the hooks? Who's spending all the time untangling the line that gets tangled when your kid tries to cast it? I'm telling you, that's an investment. Evangelism will take an investment. True relational evangelism will take a commitment for your time and energy. We, we, we involve, we, we pray, we invest, and we invite. This isn't very profound stuff here. Invite. And in, and in the time I did this, I was a staff pastor, so I had to include church on my notes. It says invite them to church because I wanted to get a gold star and maybe a raise for my pet. No, I didn't. But what God has spoken to my heart, and I know this model is hard for some, is that your table is his altar. That your dining room, dining room table is the place where people can and will experience the power and presence of God. Again, if you're intentional. That's another I word that just highlights this whole list. Why not invite someone over with being intentional that this is the night that I'm going to show them who God truly is. This is the night that I'm going to share my testimony, the story of what God has done in me and through me to them. Because I believe that when I've been involved and I've been praying or I've been interceding and I've been investing in someone and I invite them to my life, that God will absolutely impact them. There is no greater impact in this world than any place the love of God touches the hearts of men. You can talk about impact, you can talk about anything, but the greatest demonstration of impact, this is Pastor Steve's point, when we say we love God, we love people, and we make an impact in our world, that's why we exist as a church, in my mind, is to love God and love people and make an impact in our world. The greatest impact we can make is to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to those who are around us. The greatest impact that we can make is to introduce someone to the love of Christ and allow them to experience his love for the very very first time. There's no greater impact that happened in my life. There's nothing that could have caused me to end up in Crawford, Nebraska, other than the impact of God in my life. Sorry, I wasn't coming. I didn't know what Crawford, Nebraska was when I got saved. I can promise you that. Sometimes I still have trouble explaining it to people. But a moment of impact. In my life. Where I recognized. You can come forward. Where I recognized. The goodness of God. For me. Where I realized that this wasn't a bunch of stories. But this was a personal relationship. With him. Where I began to discover that God truly loved me. It didn't matter what I was doing. It didn't matter what I had done. It didn't matter if I was on death row or if I was in, in honor society, that God absolutely loved me. 
And he wanted to spend time with me. He wanted relationship with me. He wanted me to do life with him. Suddenly, when that impact came in my life, there's nothing that has changed my life more than that moment. Without that moment, I wouldn't have ever met my wife. Without that moment, I wouldn't have my four kids. You said, there's a lot of impact. I'm telling you from that moment forward, that's where transformation came. That's what others need to experience. Put your toes out. My step. If we're not telling them, we're being selfish. If we're not sharing what God is doing, we're being selfish. The absolute. God's will is that none would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. The absolute is that his love compels us. That we're called to be his witnesses. What will you do? Will you be involved? Will you intercede? Will you invest, invite, and impact someone? Just just someone. Father, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for this moment. And God, that that concept of evangelism, that that thought of what evangelism might be, it may seem so huge. My prayer is that this morning it's simplified. God, it's not about am I saying the right things or am I, am I, am I quoting the right scriptures, but, but am I truly committed to being involved in your kingdom work, your kingdom will for our community? Am I willing to say, God, there's probably someone in my life who needs to know your love better, who needs to experience your love for the first time. There's someone in my life who needs to know that that Jesus is risen from the grave, that the power of sin and death has been broken, that the reality of heaven and hell are real, and that someone needs to know He is the way, the truth, and the life. God, I pray this day these tools help us to accomplish your will. I thank you for who you are and I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. I'm going to have Tam in just a moment lead us in in a song. I'm going to have these high high dollar bookmarks up here profound and I'm going to ask for that commitment and I know that pastors they want people coming to the front all the time this is just so you can remember standing up and walking and grabbing something it's not that I handed this to you today and said take this it's that you chose today to come receive this to remind you that yeah I want to be a part 
of what God has accomplished. I want to be a part of what he's doing. And you can never look at this thing again or you can look at it all the time. I'm not worried about it. What I'm worried about is people who need to know the love of Jesus Christ. So as Tam leads us, if if you want to come get one of these, you're more than welcome and put it somewhere, you'll see. God is good, amen? God has chosen you to be his witness, amen? Let's go and do what God asked us to do. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you see the kingdom of God expanded one by one. Amen? Be blessed.